All right, good morning listeners and welcome to this week's news from the Drug War Front. My name is Jeff and across the studio one table from me is my co-presenter Marion. Good morning. Good morning everybody. Good morning Jeffrey. And how are we all on this beautiful, beautiful spring going on summer morning? Haven't been able to say that too often. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be holding my breath. but um, Sorry we weren't here last week but there's a limit to the amount of wellness that we can take. Indeed. So unwell is what you get every now and then when we've overdosed on wellness. <laughs> lovely to hear to talk to you anyway, and lovely to see you too, Jeff. Indeed. Um, okay, for those who aren't familiar with the program, this is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and the Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations uh, people. News from the Drug War Front promotes obviously the uh, wide array of services provided uh, by Karma. And we also try and report on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. And we're trying to encourage people to um, discuss the issue of prohibition with their friends and family or workmates and uh, educate themselves about the need for what we see as, you know, the failure of prohibition and the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic drug use. So that's the aim of the show. Um, we play and some music. And if we're not and reaching that aim, you'd let us know. Yeah. Because... We need you to be talking about that. And if that's not promoting discussion between you, you mob, your gang, then we need to know why not. We need to know what else needs to be included. Indeed. And unfortunately, changes and improvements to drug laws have uh, incrementally or glacially slow. Oh, yes. Um, and of course, we celebrate I love that word glacial, Jeffrey. Well, how that's else, a good one. How else can you really, honestly, describe it? No, um, elseways. No, not but at anyway, all. We, we'll keep um, sanding the case and um, hoping that we can uh, get the message across. And uh, you know, I think what, who was it? You said the definition of insanity is repeating the same, um, you know, behaviour and expecting a expecting different outcome. The same result. Yeah. yeah. So, I think Indeed. it applies to prohibition. Do you want to just whip through some of the things that Karma does? Yeah, you know? let me do that. Okay. Uh, well, Karma is a peer-based organisation and we believe that people who use drugs should be treated, treated with uh, dignity and respect both as human beings and as uh, consumers of health and social services. Karma works to reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users. And you might note that uh, drug users, in fact, are the few, one of the few people who are not discriminated against legally. Um, every other uh, group or community of people has a legal ban on discrimination with you. And But when it comes to drug users, no, that doesn't apply. And when it comes to people with psych dependencies or psych issues it's not so much that they don't uh, discriminate against the discriminate against their um, psych illnesses it's about the fact that they have a psych illness therefore they are unlikely to be believed so it's about thinking seriously about who deserves what and that's important the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation, or CARMA, is a drug user organisation, um, consumer organisation for the ACT 
CALM is a not-for-profit organisation. CALM is recognised as part of the Specialist Drop-In Centre organisation and conducts peer-based drug treatment from our drop-in community centre. Programming includes National Peer Treatment Support Program, the Connection First Nations Program, Connection Naloxone Program, CALM's Community Development Mentoring Program, the Fixed Peer Education Program, News from the Drug War Front radio show, that's us, uh, the Reach, Teach, Treat uh, with Hepatitis C, Peer Education and Treatment Project with uh, in partnership with Hepatitis C and the Karma Primary Healthcare Clinic. The Karma Clinic is an in-reach partnership with Directions Healthcare Services, which provides an on-site doctor and nurse at the Doc Karma Community Health Centre who do general practitioner work, pharmacotherapy provision, including methadone, suboxone, buvidal, that's depot, um, buprenorphine treatment and hepatitis B vaccination with hep C testing and treatment. Yeah, look, there's an ex- suffice to say there's an extensive array of services that Karma offers. Of services. And, um, you know, we always um, like to mention the naloxone program, which, of course, uh, the next training workshop will be in the new year. That's right. And, in fact, there's been a bit of a... Um, a hiccup in the uh, distribution system for yes, the Nixoid nasal spray naloxone, which is a bit of a worry. Um, oh. I think, you know, I'm not sure the exact reason for the delay, but uh, anyway, hopefully that will be sorted out um, fairly soon. Indeed. Um, that sounds very distressing. We're still open till the end of this week, um, I think till noon on uh, Friday, um, if you want to drop in. Um which is in the Churchill Centre at uh, Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way. The hours are 10 till 4, Monday to Friday. Contact can be made by telephone 653 3643 or by emailing karma at info at And before we go to a song, I've just mentioned that News on the Drug Warfront reports on news stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles featured in this program come from other sources, including mainstream media. And the contents of the broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. That means we don't necessarily believe them or not believe them. Yeah, that's right. We're just... We are just <coughs> reporting to you what other people are saying. Drawing on news reports. That's right. And, um, yeah, we're not, um, you know, authorising their... Uh, yeah, we're yeah, not, their not accommodating their point of view, believing what they say or not believing what they say. As The point is... People have the right to have another point of view and that is important for as important for us as it is for anybody who is anti-drug. Absolutely. And I think um, further to the promo before the show started about supporting 2XX, it's one of the important things about community radio is you can get um, on the air and present shows from a non-mainstream perspective and encourage debate and, and argue for changes in the way your community is treated and um, we very much value the support of 2XX. Um, Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws in United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. 
will seek to reduce the harm associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people, which does not seem unreasonable um, or no, outlandish. No, it doesn't seem unreasonable, no. But uh, I'd say the evidence of the past is it's, it's not... 60 years old or six decades seems to be that it's a very difficult thing to apply. Very difficult. Um, and yet, nonetheless, we are still here despite all efforts to the contrary, Jeff. Yeah, and I think um, drug use is, is part of the human condition. It's not going to go away no matter how big the stick is, you know. Yep. I mean, some countries execute people for um, drugs, so, you know, and it doesn't, no matter how, how harsh the criminal justice penalties are, it doesn't uh, end the ongoing no, sale of black market no. drugs. It's too much money to be made. Uh, not only that, but if something is good, why would, or feels good, why would people stop doing it? Well, that's right. And I think we need to acknowledge that drug use feels good for some people. Well, for a lot for of people. For other people, it frightens them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For a lot of people, they, they don't like the, that's the right. um, legal drugs. They find, you know, solace or self-medication or enjoyment or whatever. There's a whole range of reasons why people... Um, Look do, what happens with alcohol. Well, absolutely. Look, there's good and bad aspects of any drug, any, any mind-altering yeah. substance. So um, it just seems a bit uh, arbitrary and, uh, well, crazy, really, to just... Uh, More political than uh, practical, yeah. I think so. And you've got to look at the profits behind the massive black market Indeed. Uh, in illicit drugs. Anyway, we'll go to our first song. I don't think we've played an animal song for a little while. We love this no. band. Um, it's one of our favourites. This is House of the Rising Sun, oh, the animals. Good for them.
lower art that was the animals and their classic house of the rising sun okay it's 13 minutes to noon you're listening to news from the drug war front from studio one at two double x 98.3 fm people powered radio i thought this story was um bizarre to say the least marion um it basically uh is from yesterday and it says um, a scare piece. Yeah, a scare, a scare yeah. piece. I think that's a good sum, uh, description. Uh, it says likely a nightshade. In quotes, Australians urged not to seek out spinach products for a recreational high. Now this morning comes after more than 130 people. Everyone has seen the news, knows what's happened. Um, people have ate a range of contaminated fresh food products and then suffered symptoms, including hallucinations and delirium. Anyway, the piece is by Tasman Rose. Australians have been urged not to seek out contaminated baby spinach products for a recreational high after more than 130 people who ate a range of fresh food items suffered symptoms, including hallucination and delirium. Authorities were on Sunday night testing the weed believed to be responsible for the widespread recall of products containing spinach, thought to have come from a farm, farm in Victoria. People have been urged to check and dump any recalled products, including salad and stir-fry mixes, that have been sold at Woolies, Coles, Aldi and Costco. Food Standards Australia New Zealand is coordinating the recall of the products. Symptoms can be severe and include delirium or confusion, hallucinations, dilated pupils, rapid heartbeat, flushed face, blurred vision, dry mouth and skin and fever. Mm. The Victorian grower at the centre of the recall, Riviera Farm, said testing was underway on weed plants, quote, which can have health consequences if consumed. It is believed the weeds were harvested alongside the baby spinach and processed as such. Dr Brett Summerall, Chief Scientist at Sydney's Royal Botanic Gardens, said it was hard to distinguish between many plant species when they were small. He suspected toxic plants, including nightshades, could be to blame. Quote, there are lots of plants that could do this, lots of weeds that are relatives to potato and tomato, he said. This is likely to be a nightshade. When young, they are just a few dark green leaves, which is probably not that much different to spinach. You're harvesting all these leafy greens now at a very young age, and sometimes it can be quite difficult to identify. Indeed. No, oh dear. Sorry. Okay. It's control. One person said green plant. Okay, so... There are lots of plants that can do this, lots of weeds that are relatives to potatoes and tomato, he said. This is likely to be a nightshade. When young, there are just a few dark green leaves, which is probably not that much different to spinach. You're harvesting all these leafy greens now at a very young age. Sometimes it can be quite difficult to identify. Sign up for Guardian's free morning and afternoon email letters. No, that's for a your promo. daily news roundup. That's a promo for the Guardian, man. Yeah. Summerall said uh, farmers were facing the extra challenge of an exposition of weeds right across the country after months of rain and floods. We're just seeing lots and lots of weed infestations. You can have floods and things moving and moving things around. It can be sometimes quite hard to control. Riviera Farm said it was working to identify which plant had caused the symptoms and how we can make sure nothing like this weed contamination can occur again, uh, a farm spokesman said. 
Michael Kurt, Chief Executive of Vegetable Peak Industry Body, Ozveg, said weed that had ended up in the spinach products was a leafy green product. It's another piece of plant matter from a weed that has been found on this particular farm and has made it through the harvest and packing process and then into the products. It's not the spinach itself that's causing these health issues. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think people at spinach have experienced that in normal No, generally times. I don't think they would have noticed that. Um, so anyway, people, the um, Kamarai Waranea people, and not to go searching for the contaminated product or pick and eat weeds they could not identify in search of a cheap high. Now, we say that about everything, not just about weeds that you can't identify, well, but about pills, um, pill, yeah, or yeah. any any kind of that's um, the danger of not knowing what weed you're ingesting, or yeah, something you can't identify. Don't take it. Yep. Now that we have uh, drug check procedures available on Thursday lunchtime and Friday evening. You can go and get your drugs checked and find out what is actually in the product that you may be enticed to consume. Indeed. People might be tempted to go out picking weeds, thinking that they'll get some sort of high, but it's really important to remember that, yes, there might be some hallucinogenic side to this, but there's a whole lot of really healthy, horrible health issues, he said. Whether it's a mushroom or whether it's the sort of weeds, if you don't know what you're eating, don't eat it. Almost 90 people in New South Wales had reporting, reported symptoms after consuming baby spinach by Sunday morning, with at least 33 people seeking medical, medical uh, attention. A child who was admitted to hospital in Queensland on Sunday night, Saturday night before being released on Sunday, was one of 26 possible causes cases in that state so far. And at least 20 Victorians have gone to emergency departments after consuming baby spinach, which is a problem right at the moment, I might add, because of the um, we still do not have uh, a reduction in the numbers of people who are presenting with COVID symptoms. No, that hasn't so gone away. Adding to, yeah. adding to the numbers the of system. people that will be going in to check for um, symptoms of that might be, may or may not be um, contamination uh, is just not advisable. Don't take them in the first place. Well, hopefully they've got them off the shelves by now. Well, I would hope so. And uh, I guess the bottom line really is that we're not going to... uh, People won't be taking it off the shelf voluntarily if they don't, don't take them. It's a mandated recall. Don't buy them, don't consume them. And if it's in your fridge, just take it back and you'll get a refund. Whether it's a mushroom or whether it's uh, the sort of weeds, if you don't know what you're eating, don't eat it. Almost 90 people in New South Wales had reported symptoms after consuming baby spinach by Sunday morning, 
with at least 33 people seeking medical attention. A child who was admitted to hospital in Queensland on Sunday night before being released on Sunday was one of 26 possible cases uh, in that state so far and at least 20 Victorians have gone to emergency departments after consuming 30, consuming baby spinach. Australia's Assistant Commissioner, uh, Health Minister, Greg Ged Kearney, and the Federal Government was communicating frequently with the regulators charged with investigating the matter. Products recalled so far include... One, Riviera Fresh, that's Riviera Farms Baby Spinach. Fresh Salad Go, that's fresh and fast stir-fry. Woolworths Chicken Cob Salad and Chickpea Falafel Salad. Coles Spinach Chef Blend Tender Leaf Baby Leaf Blend Chicken Green, uh, Kitchen Green. Kitchen Green Goddess Stand Kitchen Chicken BLT, or bacon, lettuce and tomato salad bowl, kitchen chicken, kitchen roast pumpkin, feta and, I'm sorry, I can't get Anything that. with spinach in it. <laughs> yeah, anything it. that yeah. looks like it's got spinach in. Or leafy green I'm products. sure they'll have a list up in the supermarket. Walnut salad, kitchen smoking, uh, smoky Mexican salad, kitchen egg and spinach pots. Investigators from Food Standards Authority believe that spinach was contaminated with unsafe plant material. A spokesperson said the authority had been advised it's, uh, that it's likely that there is one source of the contamination and it's working through the supply chain with the relevant jurisdictions to ensure any other affected products are being identified. Anyone worried they may have been affected is being urged to seek medical attention. Yeah, well, let's hope that it's a, a warning for the future for, you know, some of these plants that are grown next to other... Uh, look, I think it's... Uh, it's a warning from the past. It's an echo of the past, Geoffrey, in a lot of ways. I think um, young people were um, not just reading but consuming information about um, so-called drugs or things that they thought were drugs, consuming them and then wondering why they were not feeling well the next day yeah, yeah. and it's largely because they don't know what's in them these days we have a drug checking agency there is no reason why you should take a drug and not know what is in it if you there get is there no reason the... to be afraid of the drug checking agency no no there is no um identification of you as an individual you will not be identified um as a drug user uh, there is no reason why you should not go and get your drugs checked, whether you bought them on the street or whether you got them from a pharmacy. I'm hoping that the results of the six-month um, evaluation will say it's a success, it provides information that's accurate, and we need to extend yep. the hours. And Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's a... Do it again and do it more. Well, it provides incontrovertible evidence as to what people are getting in and a black market. And isn't that what we're asking, being asked for all the time, is evidence? Uh, well, that's supposedly evidence-based policy, is meant yep. to underline everything. Yep. But without this sort of... Um, you know, material, you know, data, evidence of what 
people think they're buying and what they're actually getting. Um, it's just anecdotal evidence of people saying, I, I bought this and then I felt terrible or I got sick or whatever. This actually breaks down exactly what's in the so-called product, whether it's pill or powder or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they, the person can be told that information and make a decision based on that uh, Factual evidence, because it's very high-tech equipment yeah. that they're using, um, and it's highly accurate. So let's hope it continues well into the future. No, I'm very pleased to have it where we are too. It's, yeah. it's a, a great breakthrough in terms of learning about drugs, learning what we're consuming, learning about what we're putting into our systems. Yep. Excuse me, and how to deal with that substance that we are consuming. Exactly. No, so, it's, it's and that's what we want. Highly valuable. We we've got the news this coming radio up. Show always wanted to do that. Yep, we've got the news coming up. The eleven o'clock national community radio news, and then we shall return. So at two double X FM ninety eight point three, your support is important to us. Become part of your community station by subscribing, donating, sponsoring, or volunteering. Visit us at 2XXFM.org.au. Yeah, welcome back to News from the Drug Warfront, uh, brought to you by uh, Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy. Um, got a sort of uh, short little piece about a movie coming out called Cocaine Bear, and the director has said that it's uh, actually kind of about the war on drugs, um, Elizabeth Banks. This is from avclub.com, December the 16th. Elizabeth Banks says her new thriller serves as, quote, a revenge story for her leading, leading bear, aptly named Koki. Add it to the list of things that Nancy Reagan wouldn't approve of were she still here today. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks' latest film, Cocaine Bear. The premise of the project is as simple as the two words that make up its name. There's a bear, and that bear does copious amounts of cocaine. Inspired by true events that transpired in Georgia in 1985, Cocaine Bear follows a wild bear, charmingly referred to as Koki, on set, that ingests millions of dollars worth of cocaine after a smuggling operation goes off the rails. Quote, I knew when I read the script that I had the ability to make something truly unique, Bank, uh, Banks told Entertainment Weekly in a, a recent interview, also sharing that the period of stimulant-induced chaos was, quote, a fun chapter in that bear's story to explore. Sadly, the real-life cocaine bear met a more immediate tragic uh, end than its on-screen double. After finding out that the bear died from an overdose, Banks said she developed a soft spot for the creature and began recognising some larger societal themes that may have contributed to its dramatic end. Quote, I felt a lot of sympathy for the bear. Like, wow, this bear, which in real life ended up dead after eating all this coke, ended up being sort of collateral damage in this war on drugs. And I just thought, well, then this movie can be a re revenge story for the bear, she said, understanding, that co understanding Cokie through the greater cultural lens of the Reagan-era policies gave her a point of view and a purpose in making the film Cocaine Bear. Ultimately, though, the film's real thesis goes even broader than that. There's a real message here. Banks elucidated, we should not fuck with nature, nature will win. That's quite an interesting uh, take on a, a new film, Cocaine Bear. All right, um, might go to a song. This is Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, and then we'll come back with some more uh, international stories.
All right, that was the classic Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. It's coming up about 13 minutes after 11. You're listening to News from the Drug War Front with Jeff and Marion in 2XX's Studio One, 98.3, People Powered Radio. Now, this um, story is quite uh, long. It's an, uh, about the American music community uh, trying to fight the drug overdose epidemic there. Um, it's from pitchfork.com, written by Mark Hogan, December the 16th. And given that we are always promoting naloxone, I thought it was um, relevant uh, story to... Very much so. Um, yeah. Anyway, bear with us. It's, it's uh, fairly lengthy. Naloxone nasal spray is safe, simple to use and life-saving. Artists like Animal Collective, Pearl Jam and Twin Shadow are working to make it available at every concert venue. But it's not going to be easy. When George Lewis Jr., also known as the musician Twin Shadow, checked himself into a Thousand Oaks, California rehab centre last year, he met several people whose lives had been saved by naloxone, a medication that can reverse opioid overdoses. He also met Sheila Scott, whose non-profit, Luke Love Foundation, now teaches families how to use the intranasal treatment. The foundation is named after her son Luke, who died from an overdose. Lewis's rehab spell and acquaintance with Scott cemented his belief that making intranasal naloxone widely available is a simple, practical step towards alleviating the nationwide opioid overdose crisis, which can otherwise seem intractably complex. About 108,000 Americans died from drug overdoses last year, a grim historical high driven mostly by fentanyl, the potent synthetic opioid that is spread throughout the illicit drug supply, killing people who unknowingly ingest it after it has been surreptitiously added to drugs like cocaine, heroin or pills stamped to look like other drugs. And that goes to our um, argument about, you know, uh, drug checking and... You need to know what you're taking. You need to know what you're taking. Drug checking is really important. It's critical. But at least, you know, if it is an opioid that is causing the overdose, naloxone is effective. And the strength of it is... Is the only way you can test the strength of it is by going to drug check. Yeah. And drug check will do that for you, unless you have somebody yourself who, has who can organise it, a, a yeah. chemist that you know that will do that checking. You need to go to the drug check agency and I, get that drug yeah, I checked. think the equipment's See what pretty you're expensive, um, Marion. Oh, I but think so, yeah. Anyway, drug overdose, primarily due to fentanyl, was the leading cause of death for young people in 2021, and awareness campaigns have risen up in the music industry in the wake of several tragic deaths within the community. Contrary to the famous Pulp Fiction-style imagery of anti-overdose injections to the heart, (laughs) a classic image, naloxones sold under brand names such as Narcan and Cloxido, I haven't heard that one before, can be administered by spraying it into someone's nose. According to the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, naloxone will not harm someone if they're not suffering from an opioid overdose and there is no potential for abuse. Administering it can be as simple as tilting a prone person's head back, inserting the tip of the nasal spray into their nostril and pressing to release the dose. It's not hard. Nothing difficult about it. Okay, Lewis has advocated for the distribution of naloxone at concerts via social media and he's speaking about his recovery from dependency for the first time publicly in hopes of shining... Hopeless of this, I am. Shining a light on the cause. 
Buildings are, he's quoted as saying, buildings are required to have fire extinguishers on the wall, he says. How much better would it be if every security guard at a venue had an arcane on them, had an arcane on them? Speedy your tears and sad 13. Singer guitarist Sadie Dupuis, uh, Dupuis started carrying naloxone spray at shows at 2019 and has been prominent voice for getting overdose prevention boost um, tools into people's hands. Quote, the more music fans are advocating for it, the more musicians are advocating for it, the more venues have to pay attention, she says. And the more folks know to be looking for out for each other in the music community. Through the view, uh, though the view has been spreading across the music industry that views uh, venues should, in theory, routinely stock naloxone nasal spray. Experts, artists, and advocates who spoke with Pitchfork say that they are, there are a variety of roadblocks to making that a reality. Some legal, some financial some related to perception rather than a substantial risk. Naloxone is, an, uh, is available for purchase without a prescription at local pharmacies in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Some states and cities help distribute medication for free. In October, New York City passed a new law that provides naloxone kits to clubs and bars. The FDA, the Federal Drug Admin Food and Drug Administration, recently signalled that it might formally approve over-the-counter naloxone sprays on a national level as well. Well, that'd be a nice change. That yeah. is, isn't it? But there are legal co uh, considerations around con uh, actually using... It, that depends on city and state rules. According to the Prescription Drug Abuse Policy System, a database of prescription drug laws temp operated by Temple University's Beasley School of Law in 13 states, including Virginia, Arizona and Florida, Someone who administers the medication to another person does not have a guaranteed criminal immunity. Quote, if you want to be treated like a fire extinguisher, you've got to go to your government officials, and says Tim Epstein, an attorney who has acted as a general counsel for dozens of major festivals, including Fitzfork Music Festival, Life is Beautiful and Riot Fest. Yeah, you've got to have good Samaritan laws. That's right. So you're exempt from any yeah. comeback person dies. They have to have some protections. Um, also, according to Epstein, regardless of how proactive local government might be in advocating for the use of naloxone, pro uh, promoters and venue staff still need to be wary about administering it because they're not insured as medical professionals and could open they up their business. Could open their business up to a lawsuit if something goes wrong. Yeah, and people get nervous that yeah, if it's not absolutely clear, yeah, you know, if there's any possibility of them getting sued or something that we have noticed in Australia that has made a lie of actually of that statement is that the the application 
of naloxone or of uh, nixoid or however you want to phrase it, has no other effect than reversal of overdose. No other effect can be noticed. Exactly. It will not kill anyone. It will not make them ill. No. It will not add to their overdose. It will simply reverse the effects of opioid overdose. Yeah. All right, the piece goes on, but the question of what might go wrong for some experts is largely illusory, when considering that a drug that the CDC asserts carries no risk of harm to its recipients, quote, in which scenario do you think there's more likelihood you're going to be held liable for something, asked Nicholas Terry, Executive Director of the Centre for Law and Health at Indiana University. For allowing a life-preserving, FDA-approved, available without a prescription drug at your venue or being sued because someone didn't get the right first aid they needed. Terry believes that prescription and lack of education are the real barriers to acceptance. I've read that some promoters say it's very difficult to get insurance. I don't think that is a particularly real barrier. With so much about people who use drugs, addiction, harm reduction, the greatest enemy remains stigma. It's people thinking there's something deathly wrong with these people because they suffer from a chronic disease. Would a promoter ever say, oh, I'm sorry, diabetic? Um, you can't bring your insulin in. No, I don't think that... I don't think so, no. I don't think that would happen. Dr Scott Hadland, an addiction specialist at Mass General for Children in Boston, responds approvingly to the idea of distributing naloxone spray at concerts. Quote, I think this is the right intervention, he says, noting that the average age of overdose has been shifting younger and younger. As for naloxone, he says, it is a safe and effective way of reversing an overdose without any concerning side effects. For the, for the vast majority of people. Due to complications real or perceived, not to mention the $150 retail price tag wow. for a two-dose kit of Narcan. That's expensive. Yeah, I think ever since demand has gone up, yeah. pri- um, the price has gone up, which I guess is uh, yes, not, well, not it surprising. Does follow, one follows the other, does it not? Yeah, sadly. Major corporations like Live Nation and AEG may be unlikely to begin outfitting security guards with naloxone anytime soon. In the meantime, many artists have taken the issue into their own hands, working with non-profits and setting up their own do-it-yourself naloxone distribution channels through locally authorised harm reduction groups with the ultimate aim of preventing avoidable death. Once non-profit working with uh, naloxone at concerts is, this must be the other, this must be the place, bolstered by a donation from Cloxado manufacturer Hikma. The Columbus, Ohio-based outfit distributed almost 11,000 intranasal naloxone kits at large-scale events from Bonnaroo to a Burning Man. That's a festival this year. Co-founders Angela uh, Traverse Hayward and her husband William Perry told Pitchfork this year uh, next year, they aim to double or even triple, triple their distribution of the kits. Travis Hayward and Perry have also met with individual artists, including Waves Nathan Williams, who now carries Narcane to pass out to merch to them at the merch table, and to venue staff at shows, he says. Naloxone distribution hasn't been limited to the indie realm. On a September arena tour promoted by Live, uh, Live Nation, Pearl Jam teamed up with Portland, Oregon, non-profit project Red 
uh, RE Day rather, and local harm reduction organisations to distribute more than 2,500 narcan kits. Quote, overdoses are the number of um, are the number one cause of death right now for young people, Pearl Jam told Pitchfork in an emailed statement. So if we can talk to parents and provide them access to life-saving treatment in a safe place, we're going to take advantage of that opportunity. However, whether due to concerns about liability or sheer lack of information, some venues and promoters are reluctant to allow naloxone distribution even when artists and activists are doing the work themselves. Morgan Godwin, founder of the Portland, Oregon Overdose Prevention Nonprofit Beats Overdose, partnered with legal harm reduction volunteers, pass out naloxone on recent tours with Atmosphere and Cypress Hill. A 2021 tour featuring both artists went off smoothly, but when Atmosphere hit the road again this year, Godvin noticed that venues had become more circumspect about um, her project. Something had changed and I got back more pushback from venues, Godvin says. Quote, we are able to flip a lot of our referrals, refusals into acceptances, but it was exhausted. I don't want it to be a fight, and I don't think there's any reason it should be a fight. Except that it's an issue that is caught up in the realm of prohibition. Well, the morality and, yeah. of intoxication, that goes back to that, doesn't it? Is People are going to get intoxicated whether we like it or not. Yeah, and there's a fear of doing um, positive things and, like and managing that intoxication. If you give um, naloxone to someone who's intoxicated with uh, opioids, all that is going to do is reverse the effect of opioids. Exactly. Nothing else. That's right. Um, it, it, and it, I'm surprised that the United States that the you know that the United States is not on board with that already. They should have seen that coming miles away. They've been finding it really difficult to get enough supplies whether to be able to select whether they provide it to this person or that person yeah, in any particular place. Yeah. It's just it's ludicrous. All right, let me just give a little bit more of a flavour of this. It says there's also the issue of price. John Kennedy, founder of Musicians for Overdose Prevention, uh, a non-profit, um, led a protest rally over naloxone pricing with punk and go-go music outside the downtown Baltimore offices of Emergent Biosolutions, which makes Narcan, uh, in late October. It's too much for a musician who's working a service industry job, too much for a non-profit to buy in bulk quantity, and certainly too much for someone who is using, he says. Emergent has said that it is working with harm reduction advocates and other organisations to make Narcan available for those who need it, often at a, quote, substantial discount. A donation like the one Hickman made is better than nothing, he adds, but it's also bullshit. He contends that established industry players like festivals and major concert promoters should take steps to protect their own patrons by leading naloxone access efforts themselves rather than rely on cash-strapped do-it-yourself organisations to do it for them. And I think that's a great point. Yeah, very um, important. You know, you've got a duty of care, I would have thought, if you're making money at a concert I would have going. thought so too. There are a number of people who are in a position of uh, to actually make money available, though, 
to organisations or non-profit organisations to buy the naloxone well, to where make are the philanthropists? at the yeah. But where are they? Yeah. I mean, one thing the US does have is sort of a bit more of a tradition of philanthropy than wealthy people in our well, country. But what, philanthropy is the only way they're going to get it. Yeah. And, and that's the bottom line. That we don't expect that in Australia. In Australia, we expect the government to provide to, to yeah. take the lead in this area. Yeah. But uh, the United States, no, they take the lead in the, um, in the moral confrontation of... Uh, and consumption of drugs. But anyway, look, it's a good piece to see that our action is building within the music industry and promoters and artists themselves to um, try and get more naloxone out there. So, well, um, this is their this is their customer base they're yeah, talking about. That's right. There's so people who buy tickets next year. If their customers are dead, they're not going to be buying their music, are they? I thought it'd be new brainer, and yeah. the government should legislate um, that you know uh, the prices be uh, lowered or, you know, provide a subsidy or whatever. It's just such an effective antidote and will save so many lives. It's a no-brainer. And I can't understand why they're not making more of it than they are at the moment. Well, I guess if there's not enough of it, the price stays high. Look, I might do this song as a shout-out to to Demo. It's Eminem and Lose Yourself. He's no father, he goes home and barely knows his own daughter 
I was playing in the beginning, the mood all changed. I've been chewed up and spit out and booed off stage. But I kept rhyming and stepped right in the next cipher. Best believe somebody's paying the Pied Piper. All the pain inside amplified by the fact that I can't get by with my nine to five. And I can't provide the right type of life for my family. Cause man, these goddamn food stamps don't buy diapers. And it's no movie, there's no Mackay Pfeiffer. This is my life and these times are so hard. And it's getting even harder trying to feed and water my seed. Plus, see this all the part of between being a father and a prima donna. Baby mama drama screaming on it too much for me to want to stand one spot. Another damn monotony has gotten me to the point I'm like a snail. I've got to formulate a plot or end up in jail or shot. Success is my only motherfucking option. Failure's not. Mama love you, but this trail has got to go. I cannot grow old in Salem's lot. So here I go, it's my shot. Feet fail me. Welcome back. That was Eminem and uh, Lose Yourself. Um, I thought this story from America was interesting, Marion, because uh, we mentioned it uh, a couple of years ago that California, when they legalised cannabis, had actually set up a, a program to try and help people who'd been incarcerated for um, criminal convictions for cannabis, um, assistance to get into the legal cannabis industry. Um, and unfortunately, it hasn't turned out as, you know, beneficial as it was hoped uh, in some ways. But anyway, this has been BBC.com, December the 18th. Making it big sell in legal weed is harder than it looks. An initiative in California is giving people harmed by the war on drugs a chance to make it big in the burgeoning, burgeoning legal cannabis industry. But participants say making it big is really a lot harder than it looks. Every night, Julian Nelson sleeps on a sofa inside the office of his cannabis business in Oakland, California, in case armed robbers break in again. Shelves of pre-rolled spliffs, um, pet comfort CBD oil, hash caramel chocolate bars and sour green apple cannabis sweets fill the place. The shop, Green Gold Delivery, is perfectly legal and licensed by the city, but it's frequently targeted by thieves. When I first got started, someone broke in and wiped me out, completely stole everything, Mr Nelson said. He bought more security equipment but got robbed again while he was out and lost $15,000 worth of product. Jesus. Having a licensed weed business means a lot to Mr Nelson. He'd been arrested multiple times for cannabis possession in the past. When it happened a third time, it was after police raided his home and he served time in jail. But an initiative called Social Equity gave Mr Nelson the opportunity to open a legitimate business. 
The SETI program aims to minimise barriers to the legal cannabis industry for those targeted in the so-called US war on drugs, a decades-long policy that was found to have unfairly uh, targeted black and Hispanic Americans, putting small-time users or sellers in jail for drug possession. Begun in 2017, the program was the first of its kind in the United States and has received over 280 applications. A social equity licence is supposed to give these communities a slice of California's billion-dollar legal cannabis industry and bring some diversity. The state decriminalised marijuana back in 2016. It's been uh, replicated in other US states and even London Mayor Sadiq Khan has visited social equity business in in Los Angeles to learn about them. But while those who have opened special shops... Uh, who have opened shops, have expressed pride in being able to operate legally, they have also been beset with problems. Access to capital, banking difficulties, bureaucracy, the light, uh, the high tax on legally sold cannabis and crime are just some of the hurdles they've had to deal with. Mr Nelson said that though business is good, it's not always been easy for him or others in the program and it remains open question an open question as to whether social equity has really opened up the legal cannabis industry as it intended to the program is born was born more than 30, 50 years ago after US president Richard Nixon declared war on drugs the war on drugs in 1971 called drug abuse quote, public enemy number one, end quote, and addiction a national emergency. Since then, the size and presence of federal drug control agencies increased, as did arrests, incarcerations, which affected people of colour at much greater proportions. According to... uh, A 2020 study by the American Civil Liberties Union, black Americans are almost four times more likely than white Americans to be arrested for marijuana possession, despite using at similar rates. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a heavy element of racism. An important study by Oakland City Council in 2017 found that African Americans in Oakland made up 80 to 90% uh, of police cannabis arrests each year while residents represented just 4% white white residents sorry represented just 4% of arrests under social equity half of cannabis licenses go to applicants who live in areas that have a high number of arrests and incarcerations for weed possession. They also get licence fees waived and can apply for financial support in the form of grants and loans. Which I think when it, we first heard about it, we praised, you know, as We been thought a, it was a great idea. And Little should, did we know that the racism would actually highlight itself yeah. in, the, in such a way as to make it just so damn obvious. I mean, we've been saying it's been it's been a, a political and a, a racist issue for so many years. We just sound like a broken record. But it's that hard when to it overcome. To something yeah. like this yeah. that makes it so obvious yeah. that it's a political and a racial issue. 
where you're talking about giving people or waiving fines, waiving fees for their licences, waiving fees for their um, approach to the to selling um, cannabis. It just seems silly that we have no no reality that nobody is sitting there. Where is where is the man who should be standing up and saying this is a political issue? Well, it's going to take this is a racial issue. Some activism and political courage to iron out those problems. Well, anyway, it goes. Um, yeah. I'll go on. It goes from cop to cannabis consultant. Mister Nelson says many cannabis businesses in Oakland have also been broken into. He believes it's because they operate with cash and legal cannabis has a high street value. And as a result, it's been subject to tests and regulations, so it's considered a premium and safer crop a product. And that's interesting. It's actually a safe supply because yeah. it's um, properly regulated. Not long ago, he met Chris, Chris Eggers, 40, a former undercover cop turned cannabis business, business consultant. Mr Eggers left the police force over a year ago to set up Cannabis Compliant Security Solutions, which provides security advice to cannabis firms all over the United States. He is helping a few social equity businesses like Mr Nelson's for, for free. He found that his experience of infiltrating criminal gangs gave him insights into the kind of weaknesses that armed robbers look for. The theft is only the beginning of the problem for many of these cannabis businesses. Mr Nelson's still waiting on his insurance payout for the last break-in, a very common occurrence, according to Mr Eggers. Mm. Insurance for cannabis is often so complex and difficult to understand that social equity business owners often get negative answers from insurers about their claims. Quote, robbery certainly hurt, but it's the aftermath that kills off these businesses, Mr Eggers said. So there's a lot working against you. Mm, isn't it, but... Um Government takes the green. When uh, Tucky Blunt, 42, got a phone call from a friend telling him about social equity, he jumped on the opportunity. Mr Blunt, who'd been arrested in 2005 for selling weed illegally, became one of the first open first to open a cannabis retail store, Blunt's and more, in the city. On the surface, he's doing well. A stream of customers, nurses, teachers, construction workers, pensioners, he can be seen on a typical day coming and going from the bright orange building with a green growing plant across, uh, across in the window. Many said they buy from the shop because they like the variety and the weed is safer than what they can get on the street. Mr Blunt pointed out that his store is just under a mile away from where he was first arrested. It feels great to have it there, he says. I've definitely seen change in the community because there are black owners. There are social equity owners, he said. The program has achieved its goal of giving people who caught weed cases uh, the chance to become legitimate, he said. That it? Uh, I'll finish off. But despite $3.5 million in sales this year, he needs to make another $1.5 million just to break even. He's made no profit for four years, explaining that this was because of California's very high taxes on sales. He says he's um, uh, described, sometimes described as California's cash cow, cannabis brought in $4 billion in revenue uh, 
tax revenue to California since 2018. Mr Blunt said, we've been overtaxed, overregulated, and tax is taken up most of my money. He also points out that while cannabis remains illegal in the eyes of the federal government, he does not get the tax benefit that other businesses can uh, take uh, benefit of. The state has listened to the industry and has implemented some tax reforms, said Nicole Elliott, Director of the Department for Cannabis Control in California's state government. Uh, Elliott, uh, sorry, um, tax on the cultivation of cannabis has been abolished and rebates are to be given to social equity businesses. Hmm. But there is only so much they can do while cannabis remains illegal at the federal level, Ms Elliott said. High taxes may force people completely out of business, however. Mr. Blunt said, quote, two more years and I'm going. I'm not going to be a business just to stay in debt. I want to make some gener generational wealth for my kids' kids. I can't do that if I'm going further into debt every year. So that's a bit of a, a sad... Um, it is a sad... It's a sad ending to what could have been a very positive story. Well, it sounds like California's committed to trying to make it w work. You know, they've reduced their state taxes... Um, and they're listening to to the people uh, people's problems, but yeah, as long as the federal government keeps it illegal, you, you can't get bank bank um, uh, access. Um, there's no, so you many can't open a bank account in many places. It's really you can't get. Yeah, it makes just it really difficult. Ludicrous. It's it's obscene, really. Uh, I tried to find a song that was uh, relevant to that story. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure of the song, but it's by a band called NoFX, Drug Free America.
All right, that was no effects and uh, drug-free America. Interesting song. Yeah, we just thought you might like to make up your own lyrics to that, really. Yeah, well, I heard a bit of drug-free America in there, so um, (laughs) I guess they uh, were on message. Uh, Look, just to finish, um, there's a short piece uh, from France about Marseille's war on drugs. And it seems like uh, the French port city of Marseille is again caught up in a dangerous drugs war. And I think anyone who's seen the old film French Connection with Gene Hackman will uh, recall the important role that uh, Marseille had in the heroin trade uh, back in the day. Certainly it was a transmission point without the doubt. It was. Uh, Anyway, it says, fueled by enormous profits, rival gangs have gone to war with each other and also with police. The gangs have access to powerful weapons, and that means people are dying. The dealers operate out of the housing estates on the city's outskirts, where they've set up sophisticated and lucrative networks selling cocaine, cannabis and MDMA, or ecstasy. We're just traders, said one gang boss. Our mothers, they can't even pay the rent, so they can't even support us. We have to do this all alone. In this dramatic and confronting uh, documentary, French broadcaster M6 gains rare inside access to the police's elite drug squad as it tries to bust open the drug trade. Oh, well, that'd be, uh, repeti- you know, the yeah. usual story. Um, Same story. Sledgehammers breaking in doors and people in handcuffs. The cameras- different accent. Yeah, in a different accent, yeah. Yeah. The cameras capture the high-risk operations as heavily armed police units raid the estates, arrest the dealers and confiscate their stash. The French filmmakers also gain access to the drug gangs who explain their hierarchical structure. From the teenager who acts as lookout to the estates, entrances to the managers who oversee the street dealers. It's a business. Everyone has a role to play, says one organiser. The gang members also reveal that threats from rival gang members mean they need to be armed. Always keep something aside in case they want to attack, says one organiser. Between Marseille and the Kashnikov, Kalashnikov, I beg your pardon. It's always been a love story. Every problem has a solution. With the Kalashnikov, is the solution is quick. Well, that's putting it pretty bluntly, isn't well, it? Well, it you is. Know, if yes. you're not going to play it ball is with us, quick. That's true. You know, it's a bit like the Mexican but, one: um, the money or the the lead. Yeah, know, the right. Bullet. Yeah. What would you prefer? And it, it's it's a an appropriate way to end. The, you know. This year's discussion on news from the drug war front. It's um, a continuation of this, you know, largely few, you know, reforms here and there, but by and large, it's still the same system of cracking down on certain drugs, um, ever more spending on interdiction and police and. Yeah, I wonder what, if there's going to be any difference whatsoever in uh, the chain, if there'll be any difference in how they approach from the Philippines. Their war on drugs. Um, I really am not uh, convinced that um, Bong Bong uh, Marcos has uh, Bong Bong Marcos. I beg your pardon. Has really any different approach to uh, the drug war than Duterte had, well. and that that in fact was part of the reasons why they partnered up hmm. was that he sold out to him. Yep, but. That's political and that's my point of view only. I can't speak for the rest of the world where that's concerned. Well, Just simply important that we take note 
of the fact that it's in just take note of the fact that you cannot trust uh, what you hear from the mainstream media, what you hear from anyone. In fact, it, you notice the Filipino news doesn't even um, report a lot of what Duterte says. And a lot of Filipinos seem to think it was a great idea too. You know? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, it's a, it's, it's a very complex issue to try and um, do actually meaningful reform in this area because, as you said, there's big profits, vested interests, um, 60 years of modern-day prohibition. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult. Anyway, look, um, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you've found some interest in some of those stories. Educate yourself. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family, workmates. Um, you know, prohibition is not going to solve the situation. Many former police chiefs have said we can't arrest our way out of this situation. Um, and, and that's a really important point to take note of. We cannot arrest our way out of this situation. If we don't take note of that point alone, there's nothing else to be said. Mm. I mean, if you don't take notice of that issue, then what are you taking notice of? Mm. It just would be nice to hear um, that sentiment expressed by people who are still in their position, you know, it tends to come from people who've resigned or retired or moved on to another um, position. Um, yes, yeah, so you know. Well, it's quite easy to um, reverse your position on a particular issue if you no longer work in the area exactly. where being and supporting that issue. That's right. Is uh, impo is important to being employed there. Indeed, and yep. unfortunately, it happens too much. All right, take care, everyone. Look after yourselves, and yep. uh, we will leave you with our theme song. Have a lovely Christmas, do. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, yep. Yep. And, and please stay season. alive. Yep. Look after your friends and look, look after, after yourself. Look after your friends. Look after yourselves. Keep your um, keep your supplies of naloxone up. Yep. Make sure you know how to use it. Make sure you know how to look after each other. Indeed. And make sure you know that you want to look after each other. If you don't like someone, don't use with them. Yeah. We are not a community just because. <clears throat> excuse me, just because we use the same kind of drugs in the same kind of way. Yeah. That's not what a community is. A community has to do with making sure that we get the outcome that we all need, and that is we stay alive, we stay healthy, and we stay well Indeed. and stay around so that we can say it all again next year. All right. We'll leave you with Golden Brown. Take care, everyone. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown 
in a temptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day 